Okay, so on Ju- July 1st, 1941, NBC aired the first television commercial ever. It was a watch commercial, it lasted 10 seconds, and it cost $9. 13 years later, after the FCC was created, they received their first complaint, the television commercials are too loud. In 2011, Congress unanimously, did you hear that? Congress unanimously did something They passed the CALM Act, which is supposed to regulate the volume of commercials on television. Unfortunately, perhaps because we've all spent so much more time in front of television sets through the pandemic, complaints to the FCC about loud commercials have gone up 140% in the last year from the year before. And as it turns out, um, the volume of commercials on streaming services are not regulated at all. So they could make them as loud as they, as they want. So now when our family's watching TV on the cheap version of Hulu, uh, our shows will often be interrupted by, by really loud commercials. And, and no matter how many times this happens, no matter how many times we're interrupted, we get startled, and we get surprised by the noise. And, and when we get startled or surprised, we sometimes get angry. And when, and when we sometimes get angry, we want someone to blame, right? So for example, I might say, who has the remote control and why didn't you mute the commercial? Oh, oh, I've got the remote control. Well, why are commercials so loud anyways? Like whose fault is it? If if this happens for, for us, when it comes to watching TV, then, then it likely happens in life when other things get interrupted or when we're surprised, or, or especially when things don't go according to plan. Finding someone to blame seems like a, a pretty common human reaction, but it, it, at least my experience of, of humanity. So in the book of Numbers, we've noticed that for the most part, things have been, been going generally well. God has led the people out of slavery in Egypt, God um, has made a commitment to be with his people, and now God is beginning to lead them through the wilderness toward a new future and a new home. And the people are excited and they're happy to follow after God so that when God says go, the people go, and when God says stop, the people stop. Chapter 10 ends with a, a, a poem about God, God's guiding presence with his people. And then we we turn the page to chapter 11 and suddenly a loud commercial, a a, a startling interruption. Now, now the the funny thing about loud commercials is that that they're intentionally loud to make us notice, to capture our attention, to help us pay attention. So, So with this loud interruption at the beginning of chapter 11. Let's listen and pay attention um, to what, uh, what we read. Um, num- Numbers 11, uh, beginning at verse 1. Now, the people complained <laughs> about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when God heard them, his anger was kindled. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some and consumed some of the outlying parts of the camp. And when the people cried out to Moses, Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. 
So that place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord burned among them. Then verse four, the rabble or, or the riffraff with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. And then skipping down to verse 10, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, all at the entrances of their tents. Then the Lord became very angry and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor, favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom and nurse and, 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 and as a nurse carries a suckling child to the land that you promised as an oath to their ancestors? Okay, let's stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oops. So, so last week, I, as we've been going through the book of Numbers, I pulled all of my Bible commentaries out of my office to demonstrate how much our view of the Bible is mostly influenced by one dominant demographic. For those of you who are here, uh, you, you might remember this. I had a stack of about, I don't know, 10 to 15 commentaries uh, that were written by women or, and or people of color. But then I had four book boxes full, I mean, an immense amount of books full of Bible commentaries that were written all by white men. And, and that's the, the, the Bible commentary set that I have in my library. Now, the point of this isn't that those commentaries are bad. It was just to illustrate how much we need other voices. We need other perspectives to help us see things that we cannot see. Well, after worship, someone came up to me and said, I was sort of hoping that you'd open up one of those books and show us a different perspective. So, I mean, see how we need one another? Uh, don't just show me that you have books written by women and people of color. Like, show me that you read them and, and that you listen to them and that, that you learn from them. So, absolutely right. Um, so, here is a, um, here's one of those books. This is called the uh, Africana uh, Bible, um, uh, uh, reading um, Israel's scripture from Africa and the African diaspora, okay? Yeah, so let me, um, let me read apart from this. This is one of the authors, Michelle Ellis Taylor, begins her chapter on the book of Numbers in this way. Why would God tell them to kill all those children? I asked. Because that's the Lord's way, child. They were sinful and would have led God's people to sin, the elderly lady answered. Weren't the Midianites God's children too? No, they were a sinful nation. Why, why couldn't God change their hearts? Because they were too hard-hearted. Weren't the Israelites sinful too? They were the children of the covenant. That doesn't seem fair, I responded. Such were the answers I received as a child when I questioned the stories of the Bible. Why does the Bible blame everything on women? I asked. 
because of Eve and the apple. The women of Baal Peor caused the men to sin because women are the weaker sex. Not from what I can see, I thought. God doesn't seem very fair at all. Thank God for children, right? Thank God for Melissa, Michelle Ellis Taylor and the Africana Bible Commentary and all the different perspectives that help us to see things that perhaps we can't see or we thought we weren't allowed to see. This author, even as a child, isn't pleased with God. But now, um, if we can look at the story, this story in the book of Numbers with her questions in mind, perhaps we'll notice that she isn't the only one who's calling God into question. She isn't the only one who's upset with God's behavior. In, Eng- in the English translation that we read, or, or many of the English translations that we read, we hear that Moses was displeased, that he was, he was not happy. But in Hebrew, the phrase is literally, in the eyes of Moses, it was evil. Well, what was evil? What was it? Was it the people complaining? Was that evil? Or, or was it God's angry response to the people that was evil? Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. Now, if you hear somebody weeping or crying, is anger the only reasonable response? How about compassion? Instead, we hear that the Lord became very angry and in the eyes of Moses, it was evil. In the eyes of Moses, God's violent response was evil. This understanding continues to make sense because Moses now complains to God specifically about God's behavior. Moses said to the Lord, why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have you treated your people so badly. This is actually the same question that Moses asked God in Exodus 5 when they were way back at the beginning of the story in Egypt. Lord, why have you mistreated these people? Moses is essentially saying God doesn't seem very fair at all. You see, within the biblical story itself is a critique of our understanding of God and God's character. This isn't just some liberal conspiracy trying to make God nice when God is really angry all the time. This is Moses and the Bible itself calling our flawed images of God into question. But but remember, God's people were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And even though God had rescued them and revealed himself to be good and faithful, the people still didn't know God all that well. They still assumed that like the gods of Egypt, this God would be violent and oppressive and angry, of course. So, so then something bad happens along the way. A fire breaks out at the edge of camp. The doctor calls with bad news. A relationship falls apart. Your team loses or I don't know, a pandemic spreads like fire all the way around the world. What does this all mean? Is God angry? Is this God's judgment upon us? Is this God's response to our pain? Within this story is the voice 
of the people who assume, yes, of course, it's the fire of God that is burning against us. And it's a, it's a common response that we humans have to life circumstances. But there is also the voice of Moses who stands with the people. Moses, here at least, isn't satisfied with a God who responds to our tears with anger. Moses isn't satisfied with a God who responds with violence and with judgment. Now, when we think about our own life, our own life experiences, our own stories, there is what literally happened to us. And what literally happened to us is something that we cannot change. A fire broke out, I did something embarrassing, or I made a mistake. Life happens, and once it happens, we can't change the past, right? But the other part of our story is how we make meaning out of what happened, how we interpret the experiences that we have in life. So a fire broke out means that God is angry and judgmental. I'm, I did something embarrassing means that I'm dumb and people don't like me. I, I made a mistake, which means that I am a mistake or that I am bad. While we can't change the past, what the past means about us and what we can do moving forward is an ongoing conversation. Many times, the path of growth and of healing comes when we allow different voices and different perspectives to help us take another look at the stories that we've lived and the responses that we've made to those stories. We can take another look and realize, oh, Making a mistake is human, and it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. We can take another look and we can realize, oh, maybe God isn't always angry with us. We, we don't need to be afraid to take another look. On the other hand, when we in, interpret life primarily through the lens of God's anger and God's punishment, notice what happens Next, verse four, it was the rabble, it was the riffraff among the people who started, um, started all of this by, by craving other foods. The rabble? The, the riffraff? Are, are we talking about foreigners and outsiders? Is, is, that, is that what we're talking about? You see, up to this point, we've been following this theme of God's inclusive welcome you were once slaves in Egypt. You were once foreigners in Egypt. Therefore, now welcome the outsider and treat them well. Treat them differently than the Egyptians treated you. And when you celebrate the Passover meal, make sure that the table is open and that everyone is welcome, insider and outsider alike. And when the journey in the wilderness begins, you need a Midianite to help guide you and to see the things that you cannot see. You need a foreigner to help guide you. But now, at the first sign of trouble, look who the people begin to blame. The first sign of trouble on this journey, and look who the people begin to blame. If it wasn't for the foreigner among us, if it wasn't for the outsider among us, they were the ones that craved meat first, not us. <laughs> they were the ones who made us complain. We wouldn't complain if they weren't here. How old and worn out is this story? 
I mean, seriously, like how old and worn out is this story? This is the story of patriarchy. This is the story of slavery and racism. This is the story of the Holocaust, of the, of the shooting at the Pulse nightclub. This is the story of anti-immigration politics here and all around the world. This is the story of anti-Asian hate in the middle of a pandemic. This is the story of who has the remote and why didn't you turn down the volume? It can't possibly be me. It it has to be somebody else. Can we please just blame somebody else? It would all be so much easier. Um, Michelle Ellis Taylor offers us a different perspective, a, a different way of reading the Bible, a different way of reading life, and a different way of of moving forward. So I'll, I'll give her the last word. An Africana reading of the Bible and, and of the book of Numbers would be to identify not with the insiders and the dominant power, but with the oppressed and the rejected. An Africana reading of Numbers would be to identify with the oppressed and the rejected. Jesus, we pray that you'd help us to see the Bible in our world and our lives through Michelle's eyes, through the eyes of, of those who see the world in a different perspective, to align ourselves and to see ourselves from the perspective of the oppressed and the rejected. Amen.